stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Good afternoon. Happy to be here uh, for yet another day with you. Uh, all this week, this special series, Mental Health on the Front Lines, as we talk about just that, mental health, uh, the health and safety, a solid mindset for those who are serving us and facing, um, even outside of COVID, some of the very worst as far as uh, as attending, treating, and simply witnessing and dealing with some of the uh, some of the hardest stuff that goes on uh, from day to day, uh, from policing to frontline doctors and nurses and other hospital staff to paramedics and firefighters. And this all stems, again, from my um, great emphasis on the health and well-being of our military veterans. Uh, no secret that that is something that is near and dear to me. But trying to expand uh, both the conversation to other frontline workers in our day-to-day lives and... Uh, maybe pull a few tidbits of how um, veterans, military members and veterans have been um, uh, receiving treatment for mental health um, related injuries. And maybe that is a spillover to how we can help support uh, frontline workers. A recap from yesterday, we spoke with the Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfelt and a clinical psychologist here in Calgary, Shauna Prinsloo. Uh, we spoke with her about the importance and the benefits of equine therapy, how horses really can um, sense human nature and know when something is wrong within us and they react to that and that is a big part of therapy um, in uh, throughout the world but uh, so fitting here in Alberta that we make that something that is important and there are a lot of great programs uh, Shauna Prinsloo is uh, is a psychologist who works with Can Praxis in central Alberta uh, the police chief talked openly about the need to be proactive in caring for the mental health of our frontline workers uh, proactive get ahead of injuries before they happen be ready uh, to give frontline workers the tools to deal with operational stress injuries he admitted uh, there's no roadmap for mental health care you know life events impact every one of us differently everyone's um has a different reaction and outcome from um uh, very stressful uh, moments in our lives a report from Ryerson University's Daphne Cockwell uh, School of Nursing shows the emotional toll that nurses working in COVID-19 acute care environments at six hospitals uh, in the greater Toronto area. It was published in the Canadian Journal of Nursing Research. Uh, the report feel, reveals trauma, distress, emotional and physical exhaustion, anxiety, depression, insomnia and burnout. I think that is everything under the umbrella of operational stress injuries that I question uh, Shauna yesterday about uh, it's not just PTSD but it's everything of operational stress uh, in the study nurses describe feeling like sacrificial lambs without enough masks a high emotional toll of risking their own lives and the lives of their families uh, nightmares of trauma experienced and the mental toll of watching patients die over and over with no family present also a perceived lack of action from government and health care leadership of course within the last oh i'll say it's 48 hours we have seen action here 
uh, in Alberta for paramedics being put higher on the list to receive the vaccine. But of course, as Rob uh, just heard from a caller, his concern about his wife, who is a nurse. Uh, this study recommends increased presence of healthcare leadership. I think that falls into uh, the police chief's call. I mean, it really is about leadership, proactive care. Leaders need to uh, step up and and get ahead of the curve in mental health. Uh, this, the, the recommendations from the report are also on-site access to psychological support, greater leadership support for adequate supply of PPE. Again, that's speaking more specifically to COVID-19 and uh, support for the use of mental health days as sick days. Maybe that will be the greatest legacy of COVID-19. To read the uh, full report, find the link on my Instagram bio. If you're not familiar with Instagram, you don't need an account to uh, hop in and, uh, and see the link on my bio. Jordan underscore Witzel on Instagram. It's called Goodbye Through a Glass Door. Emotional experiences of working in COVID-19 acute care hospital environments. Today's guests. You know, innovation in the military. Historically, it impacts years later, day-to-day life. Technology spillover, business procedures, best practices, and hopefully medical care, right? I think that's uh, part of the goal of this conversation, as I mentioned at the top of the program. It's long been recognized that uh, military service has had a major impact on mental health. Being in the military is difficult, uh, and care followed suit. In some ways, perhaps we can learn to care for other frontline workers from what has been done for veterans, or have we even done enough for our veterans? We're actually going to be speaking today with two Canadian military veterans, a registered nurse, Marianne Barber, a veteran of the Canadian military operations in Afghanistan. She's currently a a nurse practitioner in Baffin Island. She, a good friend of mine here in uh, Calgary, Mark Fuchko, he's a veteran. He lost his legs in Afghanistan, and she treated him on the day and days after that he lost his legs. But first, Dr. John Whalen. He's a clinical psychologist who spent 25 years serving. He's a retired member now of the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, he himself uh, served with uh, the RCN for nearly nine years. Uh, Dr. Whalen completed his dissertation on treatment outcomes for military members with substance abuse and mental health issues. And uh, he went on to serve as a clinical director for the CAF Addiction Treatment Program. He joins us now. Dr. Whalen, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. How are you? Good. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure. You know what? I have uh, I have dove all into your career and everything you've done. Uh, tell us, your book it grabs attention right away. It's called Ghost in the Ranks, Forgotten Voices and Military Mental Health. Are you able to summarize your book for us in, in well, you know, in, one in moment? Short, so it's... it's um it's the second book I wrote on military mental health, and Ghost in the Ranks was really to try to capture this whole idea of, at the time, 2016, I released that, PTSD. And we were so occupied in, in symptoms and big images from Af- well, post-Afghanistan, but really they're horrific incidents. Mm-hmm. And I really wrote that to, to humanize the experience from the people I saw, from relatives I had, certainly who served overseas, and to talk about how we take on and develop an identity, a military set of values and codes that makes it really difficult to process mm. and to, to manage the emotional parts of, of the terrible things that we see, that we're exposed to. 
So that's a nutshell. You know, talking with the police chief here in Calgary yesterday, uh, he talked sort of about the tough guy image and police officers tucking away a lot of what they see and deal with day to day. Um, I would imagine that is only amplified, and I think that's a bit at what you're getting at here with military members, um, that sort of tuck it away, you're a tough guy. Uh, those days are starting to, to go, um, I think, in day-to-day life. Is that something that has gone by the wayside in the military? Uh, so if there's a, so um, let, me, let me summarize this. In the, so I also see a fair number of uh, police, first responders, primarily RCMP and military. Mm-hmm. So what I'll say is this, Jordan, on the surface we have a lot more certainly cultural discussions of mental health but when you're on the front line when you're doing your thing you still have to be dependable you still have to be reliable i can't have a question about you standing next to me whether you're up to the task so where it really matters it's still you've still got to put on the front that you i've got this together i can do this and you have this other conversation that says well it's okay to talk about mental health. It's okay to talk about having struggles. We've, we still have a disconnect. There's well-meaning conversations around mental health, but it doesn't translate into the culture and into the training because that's still right. designed to make you tough. That's that's where this conversation leads me right now is how familiar are, are you with uh, today's training for our military Um to as part of that process in boot camp and all of the different phases uh, to have members be able to recognize when that person beside them needs that decompression whether it is in a, a military hospital and and at the end of the day they turn and they say are you okay uh, do you need to talk i don't so, I, I don't know if that's even yeah. available on the front lines of any war but uh, that is beyond my capacity yeah so we're we're post post war posture and all I can tell you is, like, I, I, I don't have front-end front knowledge of right. um, the curricula of basic training at this point. I can tell you the younger folks I see, they're more likely to come forward and speak. But that's not the same thing as when they're gearing up to deploy. Right. It's, you know, that's still there. And I, I, I'm, I still think it has to be there. If you're going to go into an unknown zone with unknown threat, you still have to be able to do the job. So, so, so this is one of those moments where there, again, uh, I, I don't know that we could, in a sense, what you're saying is be proactive, except we're ready to catch all those folks in the safety net when they come back from, from yes. frontline service. Let's translate this then. Really, what do we want to do? My goal here is to turn the corner into our frontline workers. Uh, what are we, can you comment, what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong to support veterans, because we want to take those things and see if they're also uh, the things yes. that we will apply to doctors, nurses, um, paramedics who are really struggling and going to continue to struggle this year. So we have a lot of services. We've developed a lot of services for veterans, and I'll, I'll come from that vantage point. Over the years, through Veterans Affairs Canada, through 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 the military hospitals, through private clinics and non-for-profits, so we have a whole web of services around the country dealing with symptoms when people are distressed or depressed or they have an identified mental health diagnosis. So we're really good at bringing them in, assessing them, providing talk therapies and other things to deal with symptoms. We don't do very well, haven't done very well in reintegrating them back into mm. communities and families. We're still, not only we, 
across the kind of the Western militaries Mm -hmm. still have that problem of reintegrating back into their communities and the civilian world that they live in. Unfortunately, right now, because of what we're told about civilians, you know, they're they're less than, they're self-absorbed, we can't depend on them. We see them as separate from the veteran community. And that's unfortunate because we have to come back to the world. Uh, I think some of the same cultural beliefs exist within, I've seen a lot of nurses over the years, not during COVID certainly, but the same cultural uh, specialness, special identity, we have this thing that separates us from the world. So we need conversations that are community and these organizations. So it's not just private mental health offices. That's, right. yep. It helps to a degree. And uh, I guess that's about the best I can say with that. Hey, uh, there, I know there's so much more to unpack, but it is well said. And I'm going to carry that over with my conversation after the break with Marianne Barber. She is a registered nurse. She was a, a, a member of the uh, Canadian military, of course, a veteran now, and uh, so has made that uh, to translation to being a citizen. So we'll break that out with her a little bit. Uh, Dr. John Whalen, thank you for joining us. Your website is going crazy in the green machine.com. You can find more about what Dr. Whalen has to offer in all of his work. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Whalen. Wonderful. Thank you, Jordan. My name is Jordan Witzel. After the break, we will be joined by registered nurse Marianne Barber uh, talking about mental health as it translates from serving on the front lines in the Canadian military to the front lines of health care here at home. You're listening to Mental Health on the Front Lines on 770 CHQR. would like to welcome Marianne Barber to the show. She is a retired Canadian Armed Forces nursing officer. She's currently a nurse practitioner working in uh, the remote communities on Baffin Island, multiple tours uh, in Afghanistan. She's spoken nationally about mental health through uh, her own challenges and triumphs. And uh, she was an incredible ICU nurse in Afghanistan. I have had two folks who know her personally Share that with me, and I believe it. Um, one of those folks, uh, Marianne, welcome. Hi there. One of those folks, um, Mark Fuchko. Um, his lav got hit by a roadside bomb. In that accident, uh, he lost his legs. And he said, he, his your name popped up on my Instagram feed, and he texted me. And he said, Jordan, Jordan, Marianne, she's amazing. She is a rock star. Uh, you know, so I think this is actually a part of talking about memories and where it has brought you in your life do you remember mark at all oh my goodness yeah absolutely mark uh yeah absolutely but you know mark was one of the patients that was brought into us and and um i'll never forget his case his his lead nurse is a uh, captain patrick breckenridge and I was helping out Pat um, kind of get things going. And Mark came into our trauma base. He went right away to the OR, and then he came out to the ICU. And, uh, you know, we had some struggles with him and trying to get him stabilized to get him then out to Germany. And so, you know, we uh, we did what we needed to do to get him out the door. But it is always a case that I will never forget. And, and Pat uh, Breckenridge, again, that other nurse that was working with me, went with him like he... You know, really, he was at the top of his game, and he's truly the one to credit, along with the surgical team and the docs, you know, in the OR. And it's, it was amazing to re-link up with Mark. Um, we filmed a documentary that we filmed with General Hillier in uh, in France and, and Belgium. And so we got to go on this trip together. And I hadn't seen Mark since we had been in Afghanistan together. And, 
you know, when the producer told me who was going to be on the, on this, you know, production with us, with me and, and General Hillier, I was like, no way. Are you kidding me? I haven't seen or heard from him. So we got to reconnect and it's been amazing ever since, you know, we, we spend remembered stays together and, you know, I've become good friends with him and his wife and we never heard about the, our other Canadian patients that we sent home. You know, we had so many casualties in Afghanistan and it's just this final piece that all of a sudden now I can connect that part of, you know, the experience in Afghanistan to now being around this person that, you know, we helped to work on. And it's so rewarding to, to be hmm. a part of his life. And he's such an incredible man. He is and an incredible man. Yes, a, a massive, a massive shout out to you and your team. You're like that quarterback in the Super Bowl. Ah, it had nothing to do with me. It was all the other team around me. Come on. Uh, we give you credit to um, his, he's, he's a beautiful soul. He's a wonderful Calgarian, and uh, he is here still with us because of you yeah. and your team. Um, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, just in case our conversation here takes a dive into um, some difficult moments, I just want to give uh, listeners a heads up to that because I do want to open up the platform, and I am uh, totally open to you turning down that openness. I want to make no sure you're I'm, okay. I'm everywhere talking about all this stuff, so we're okay. good. I find it's, uh, it's more helpful to be open and honest about it than right. to keep it all bottled up. And and that's it. That's my goal here, right? We're, at, we're spending a whole week of special series talking about mental health. Let's keep that the, the beacon here. So let's be open. Uh, does seeing someone who's in good health, does that take you back in your mind with forms of PTSD if there is any uh, to where there are, you know, those typical, you see them in a movie, but... A typical sort of flashback, a very real syndrome of something like PTSD. Moments, even if it's not Mark, moments where you're right back in in the hospital, in the front lines, and um, shocked by things that stick with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you know, as healthcare professionals, we do you know all this training, and we you know we do years and years of schooling to get to become you know trained in our craft. And one of the things I I noticed in my 20 year career as a military nurse, and then even now as a nurse practitioner, um, I do find this is something we don't really talk about all that often, or or we didn't used to talk about. Now we do a little bit more. Is that piece that there are things that you're not going to be able to let go of. You're going to go home at night at the end of the day, and it's going to stay with you. And, you know, certainly Mark's injuries were not uncommon to every, almost every other patient that we had in Afghanistan. And we certainly had a rule. We would do everything we could for all of our patients. But, of course, when it's your own teammates, you know, certainly members of the Canadian military wanted to do above and beyond. You wanted to at least get them to Germany. If we could get them out of the hospital in Afghanistan, we could pretty right. much save them. Get them out of that dust and that kind of environment and into yeah, a full um, team and the, care. The, we, you know, we used to call it the chicken coop because it was <laughs> plywood hut. It wasn't the nice, beautiful hospital that as of 2009 the Americans built. It was this yeah. old, run-down shanty that we you know, made miracles out of. Um, hmm. But certainly there were lots of scenes that stayed with us. And you became very calloused I know myself, I became very calloused to uh, the injuries I was seeing. Like, you know, you kind of shrug off like, oh, you're only missing two of your limbs. Well, this guy's missing four, so I'll go take care of him. And kind of minimizing what other people were going through. And it's crazy when you when you think back to... When you come back to it, right? See. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I ask... Flashbacks do stay. Um, I know even now working, like I work in Baffin, I work here and I live in British Columbia and I work um, as a nurse practitioner uh, all over the place here. And it's certainly, there are times where I'm certainly triggered, but I've been really lucky to be, have been blessed with great clinical care where I can now process my, my triggers. So and, there you go. and it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, 
impact me like it used to. Sounds like I think what we can take from that is there has been adequate support in your transition from military uh, to citizen again um, to receive the proper support. As one last comment here very quickly, Marianne, can I ask you, uh, do you, are you... Are you frightened, worried, concerned gravely for your colleagues um, going through COVID and coming out the other end? Absolutely. I mean, I'm in where I work in Vernon, I'm, we're working the COVID Respiratory Assessment Centre for town. So, you know, potentially every patient we see that comes in with a cough or a sniffle or a fever, uh, you know, is COVID positive. We are the ones, we were the ones for up until about a month ago, two months ago, doing the swabs for all the patients in Vernon. And then on top of that, you know, we're also seeing all the patients that can't get seen at their family doctors. So everyone's coming to us. Um, of course, going up to Nunavut, where there hasn't been a lot of COVID in the communities that I've been at, but certainly it has been in other communities. You know, you're, they're very vulnerable populations, the people I'm working at, whether it's Baffin or here in British Columbia, uh, and talking with my colleagues across the country, you know, there's this fear of I'm either going to get it I'm gonna, or I'm going to give it to my family members and my loved ones. Yeah. You know, I have friends that are nurses in, say, Windsor, Ontario, where they lived apart from their children for months. Yep. Uh, you know, there's always this constant uh, concern in the back of your head, like, what if is today the day I get sick? Or... Uh, when am I going to get my vaccine? When am I, you know, when am I going to, or when are my patients going to get their vaccine? There's, there's all these kind of anxiety, you know, provoking worries that are always there on the back. I think of every healthcare professional, every frontline yeah. worker, yeah. whether it's cops, police, uh, paramedics, you know, anybody who's in contact with the public, you know, it's certainly challenging. And I've certainly felt that stress starting, you know, last March when I right. basically just kind of head down, started working. My idea was in retirement to work part time and, and travel the other rest of my time. Well, that's not happening now. I'm just working, so. <laughs> well, Marianne, um, we really do hope you get to that soon. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.